Welcome to Holistic Hearts, a place to dive deeper into living holistically, a place where my mom shares thoughts on living fully, creating intentionally, and empowering others to come along with her in this journey. Hey there, guys. Today, I'm going to do a quick intro with our guest and just tell you a little bit about her before I send you to the interview. It was such an honor to interview Wendy Backlin with Igniting Hope Ministries. She is a revelatory author and speaker and has such a passion for setting Christians free from their past and empowering them to walk fully in their identity, which you know is a big passion of mine. And one of the most beautiful things about Wendy is she has described encounters in such a beautiful way. And that is the main reason why I have her on this show is just to talk about living in the spirit. And I hope that you get as much hope and joy and excitement and childlike wonder as I did in this interview. All right, here it goes. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Holistic Hearts. I am beyond stoked to have Wendy Backlin on the show today. Uh, Welcome. Thank you. My honor to be here. Oh, y'all, this is going to be such a treat. (laughs) I am am unusually nervous because this has had such an impact on my own life of just knowing how the Lord has ministered to you. It has impacted me personally. So I'm just thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you. So, Wendy, I would love for you to talk about your story of, um, and the reason why I have Wendy on the show is because she is a big um, supporter and influencer in the way of experiencing God through encounters. And we have a lot of encounters on our show. And um, Wendy is definitely one who has paved the way to uh, um, enlighten my own heart and to experience him in that way. And so I would love to hear your journey and how you first encountered him. Okay. Well, for most of my Christian life, I didn't believe encounters were for everybody. It was just a, you know, God sovereignly chose some people and not others, <laughs> which is a really poor theology because it doesn't give you much hope. Yeah. Um, but in the mid nineties, um, I had my first encounter ever and I wasn't even sure if it was real or not. What happened was we went to, we were pastoring in the state of Nevada. We went to Redding, California for a conference mm-hmm. and, uh, in those days they had the prayer lines and you would just go up for more of God, whether you, you know, needed something specific or not. It was just all about the more. And I went up and while I was standing up there waiting to be prayed for, I had my first vision and in it, Jesus walked up to me. I was standing on a hillside by a lake and uh, we could communicate without talking. And I knew he wanted to dance with me, which, you know, I was raised in a um, 
religion that you don't dance, let alone with Jesus, you know, so a part of me kind of wanted to back away from that. Mm -hmm. But Bill Johnson, who um, was kind of mentoring us at the time in the 90s, had told us, you know, just lean into it, trust God, have more faith in his ability to lead than Satan's ability to deceive you. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, that really changed things for me because I was afraid of being deceived. Yes. And um, so I leaned into it. And so we began to waltz and I knew he wanted me to look into his eyes, which is very difficult for someone with a poor self-esteem and very shy. I I hardly ever looked in people's eyes because I just had no self-worth whatsoever. Yeah. And when I looked into his eyes, I saw two things. It was like, I knew them. It was like he had said it, but it was even deeper. And the two things I knew was one, he knew me completely. He knew all my sins, all my weaknesses, all my good stuff. And um, the second thing I saw was unconditional love. Mm. But it was a love that I'd never associated with him before because, you know, I knew Jesus loves us. Yes. You know, but that was in the, you know, like, wow, I love all the people at the church. Mm-hmm. But this was like, I'm in love with my husband mm. and he loved me. He was in love with me, not just loved me. And um, I think the reason he had me um, see that he knew me completely was when people would say good things about me, I would say, yeah, but if they really knew me, they wouldn't like me. Huh. And so it was really important for him to reveal to me that he knew me completely. He knew exactly what your heart needed to hear. Exactly. And uh, so it just, I mean, I just began to weep and it was, it was a fantastic vision. But as soon as it was over, I doubted whether it was real or not Mm. because after it was done, it was like, was that just my imagination Am I just, you know, going overboard now because I need God so much? You know, all the doubts and stuff came. Yeah. And I didn't even tell my husband about it because I was still trying to work out, was this me? Was this God? What was this? Mm-hmm. And when we got back to Nevada, the very first Sunday, I sat down and a friend of mine sat down next to me and said, hey, Wendy, have you ever danced with Jesus? <laughs> and I'm like, how did you know? Hmm. And she said, well, while you guys were gone, I was in the prayer house and Jesus came in and we began to dance. And she said to Jesus, this is so great, but nobody's going to believe that I danced with you. And Jesus said to her, Wendy will, because she has. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. It was. And it was exactly what I needed. It was like, how can I doubt this now? Right. Oh. Back in the early 90s, nobody came up and said, have you ever danced with Jesus? Right. No. <laughs> no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. It was. You know, but what really interested me is years later, God said, I want you to notice that I didn't say Wendy has imagined she's danced with me. Oh, interesting. Okay. He said, I want you to know that in the spirit realm, it was an actual event because I said, Wendy has danced with me too. Wow. 
Okay, so that shifts things for myself because when I try to explain what an encounter is to people, mm-hmm. I will say, well, you use your imagination. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Okay. Yeah. And but the thing that we don't understand is it's, it's portrayed in our imagination, but it, our spirit lives in both realms at the same time. Mm-hmm. And if we open our imagination to the spirit, then our spirit will download in our imagination what it is seeing. Okay, yeah. So it's actually seeing real events, but the only place for our brain to comprehend it is in our imagination because it's things we've never seen before. Right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So if somebody... So how would you answer that if somebody came up to you and they said, okay, so tell me what an encounter is? I I think you can have it different ways. Um, I think the most common is a download in the imagination, but I've also, I, I believe that the more encounters we have in the imagination, the greater of a grid we get in our mind. You know, I, I think it was Paul who said, whether in the spirit or out, or in the body, I know not. Right. You know, so that's how real it is. Okay. Oh, this is so good. (laughs) This is like opening so much (laughs) more. (laughs) So it's fun because um, a couple weekends ago, I was, I just started to go down a whole encounter where the father keeps asking me to meet him at this log cabin on the porch. And Um, so this particular morning, it was the second day I did it and he gave me a set of keys, which I know is pretty common. Um, and he said, I, um, so in my journal, I'm writing down what he would say. So, Mm -hmm. um, it was like, I'm the keys for your children, for other people and so on. So I finished Mm -hmm. my little journal time and I get up. We start doing our morning. I have four kids. My second son, who was upstairs taking a shower, came downstairs all dressed and ready to go for the day and has a necklace on that he decided to make while I was downstairs. And it has a key on it. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, what are you wearing? He was like, I just felt like a necklace with a key on it. And I was like, okay, (laughs) this is, yeah. It can't be just coincidence. No, no. So uh, it's so true. Like what happens in the spirit and then it just showing up in the physical. Yeah. That's beautiful. Another example of that is I used to have um, twice a month, I would have a group of ladies come for, I call them experimental nights. Okay. It was just, we would wait on the Holy Spirit. So it wasn't an agenda. It was, okay, God, what do you want to teach us? We're willing to, you know, experiment a little bit and believe that you're going to keep us safe. And uh, so I found some music that, um, I don't want to go into the whole detail, but this guy has loved um, researching the music um, back in the day of the Bible or even David. And he ran across some stuff um, supernaturally from um, David's time when he was in Israel. Okay. And so he had this music and one of them, he said, and this sounds new age, but 
I'm reminding you, this was an experimental group and this guy's a Christian. And he said, it was thought back in the day that this would heal like DNA and stuff in your body. So he, you know, and so when we were soaking, I thought I'm going to put this music on that he says is for the DNA and not tell the people who are soaking in the presence what it is. So I put this music on. We soak for about 20 minutes, just resting in God. And when it's over, I say, okay, you know, what did people, what did you see? You know, what happened while you were waiting on God? And no kidding. Three of them said, I saw what looked like DNA strands floating in the atmosphere. <laughs> oh my word. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah. That's so faith building. I so urge all of our listeners to expand what you think God can do. You know, yeah. um, oh, that's real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so cool. Other than, you know, just using your spirit to connect with your imagination, what are some other ways that people can encounter Jesus? What would be like an on-ramp for some people? Well, they say that your eyes only, I mean, your brain is only conscious of 40% of what your eyes actually see. Hmm. Um. So we're blind to things that our, our eyes are seeing if we don't have a grid or an understanding of what it's for. Okay. Because we build a grid in our brain from birth, from patterns that we see, experiences that we've had, and that kind of thing. And so I knew that. And then I was reading a book by a secular scientist who had a um, stroke in her brain. And her mom was helping to rehabilitate her. And her mom discovered that she was only seeing one dimensionally. So everything looked like a photo, oh. you know, no depth. And she said her sense of dimension was so impaired that she couldn't tell where she began and ended, which okay. is serious dimension impairment. Wow. And so her mom began to teach her about dimension and how you can tell some things are further away and some things are up close. Mm -hmm. And this is what she said, because she um, actually wrote a book about her pro process. She said, as soon as my brain understood the concept of dimension, she began to see three dimensionally. Wow. Okay. And I read that and I thought to myself, Oh my goodness, I've been reading the Bible all wrong. What if the Bible is God's attempt, like this mother's attempt, to teach us about another dimension? Whoa. And that as soon as our brain understands the concept of the dimension of the kingdom, yeah. the reality of it, that it has substance, what if we can train our brain to have a concept for it by reading the Bible? Yeah. So that we could actually see. Yeah. Because Bible actually says you must be born again to see the kingdom. Well, yeah. that's implying that if you're born again, you should be seeing something. Well. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. 
Keep yeah. So I use the Bible to try to train my brain of the reality. Okay. So if the by if I'm in Ezekiel um, 47, for instance, and it's talking about the river that flows from God mm. from the throne and everywhere it goes, life comes, then I am actually going to imagine that river as a real place. Yeah that actually has this ability that I can step into it, be filled with life, be healed, be whatever. Right. Uh, because one of the things that really transformed my life was uh, back in the nineties, there was a season where God was waking me up at 3 AM every night and I'd wake up and he'd tell me what to pray. And so, you know, I just did it. But one night he woke me up and, I'm sitting in the living room waiting for him to tell me what to pray for. And he hadn't woken me up to pray. He wanted to talk. Okay. And he referred to the scripture after Jesus died and the disciples were in the locked room and Jesus just appears out of nowhere yes. in their midst. And so I'm sitting there and I just hear not, in my, with my natural ears, but just really, I knew it was him because this isn't a thought I would have had. Right. It was like, Jesus just goes, Hey, Wendy, do you know how I got into that locked room? And I'm like, um, I've seen ghost movies and you were dead. So you had no substance and you could walk through walls, you know, because we all think of dead people as having no substance. Uh And he goes, no, I'm more real than the wall. Oh, well, I, I'm trying to get my head around that. And he says, the creator cannot have less substance than the creation. Whew. Yeah. And he said, spirit created this realm. Therefore, spirit has the most influence over this realm. And that just, it was like, oh, my it means that the unseen realm literally has more influence, more substance. It gave me more faith for my prayers Mm -hmm. because I'm praying from my spirit and my spirit has influence over the natural realm. Yeah. Because I mean, even if you think about it, the demonic, Mm -hmm. I don't know how much influence, I mean, how much you've seen, but I've, I've cast demons out. I've seen demons do things with people's bodies that are not possible. Yeah. Bend over in weird ways, twist their heads around. I mean, they're physically not possible. Yeah. And we don't seem to bat an eye when we think that demons can, um, that they're above the natural laws of this realm because they're spirit. But if that's true, how much more? Right. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, with God. How much more should we be able to impact the natural laws? Not that we want to turn our heads around, but it just gives us that, you know, yeah. that the spirit realm has impact. It's not just some, ooh, insubstantial thing. Yes, yeah. Well, and that, I mean, it almost explains why Jesus was able to walk on water as well. Exactly. Wow. Oh, I feel like I'm a sponge today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, okay. So we'll pivot a little bit on that because of the unseen and how our words matter. And another big, uh, 
a passion of yours is what we speak and becoming victorious over our emotions and what we're feeling. And um, can you speak a little bit on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was transforming um, to realize that, you know, if you think about creation in Genesis, it says that the the spirit was hovering over the earth, which was void and without form. Mm -hmm. And then God spoke, although some, you know, I actually, and I kind of lean towards this theory because first it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And I heard one guy say that literally what God did, I think it was Dan McCollum. He said that God spoke the atoms and the matter into being, but they had no form because they have to be set up in a certain way to make a table or to make a tree or whatever. So God created the heavens and the earth or the matter, the atoms, Holy spirit hovers over the chaos of that. And then Jesus spoke because Jesus is the word. Mm -hmm. And he said, let there be, you know, let there be light, let there be, you know, dry land and fish and fowl. And when he spoke, all of the atoms and the molecules rushed to perform what he spoke. Wow. That's yeah. a visualization right there. <laughs> exactly. And I remember reading that once and I felt like God said, you know, Wendy, look at the areas of your life where there's chaos or it's void. And now picture my spirit is already hovering over it waiting for you to speak life into it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz God's angels are are ready to perform the word of the Lord. So when we start speaking scripture into our life, what God says is true, yeah. we're giving him something to work with cuz he works with sound. He works with the voice. Yeah. Yeah. And Jesus is the word he speaks. And, you know, I always tell people, Jesus doesn't live in you because he needs a place to live. (laughs) (laughs) He lives in you because he wants to manifest through you. And legally, because God has delegated the earth to man, he needs to use our voice Mm -hmm. to, you know, that's why the enemy wants our voice too. you know, Yep. I remember when I, God started challenging me on stopping to speak negative and I would feel so compelled to say negative things. Mm-hmm. And God said, that is a spirit wanting to use your voice to declare a curse over that town or over that person, wow. you know, saying things like this place is hard for the gospel. Mm. We just cursed that place. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why would we want to do that? Right. Wow. Oh, well, and I remember when my kids were little, I, um, I had one that was definitely a challenge and I was convicted one day I was walking around garden of the gods and was talking to a friend and I almost was just dead stopped in my tracks of like, how many times are you going to talk negatively about his outcome? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was such a quick correction of like, whoa, yeah. I have to be careful what I speak over my kids, it, even not even directly to them. I was just 
you know, mm-hmm. complaining to yeah. your mom. But it was like, nope, you may not do that. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Your words are powerful. <laughs> so. They really are. Yeah. And things really started turning around. And it's not about just stopping speaking negative, but we need to actually speak positive, mm-hmm. which is harder because that means, you know, I believe that faith isn't blind, it's visionary. So to speak faith, it means you have to see something that doesn't feel real or you've never seen it happen before. Um, So there's this, it's harder to speak things that nobody else in the room can see. Like Joshua and Caleb, they said, oh, we can take these giants. Everybody thought they were crazy, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Yes. So... Yeah, but you don't have to speak it in front of people who don't understand, but we do need to speak it to believe it ourselves and to speak life into things. It's totally changed my life because I was really shy, um, had no self-esteem. I mean, the self-esteem shifted when I had that encounter with Jesus, just that love encounter. But I really saw a lot more change happen when I started saying what God was saying about me. Um, I had to stop using my past experience to define me and I had to use the the word of God to define me. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I I think you should, if you're listening, you should pause that rewind for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, and what you're saying too, is that, and what I've taught in a, a little class that I've done for some women where when we go and ask the father for our identity, we first have to know that we are loved completely. And that locking eyes with him is so important. And I mean, and that's yeah. where the birth of your identity comes from. And then you can speak from that point of the affirmation. Yeah. You've given. Yeah. Oh, and, so- and even, you know, we don't, when our kids are two, we don't say, okay, I'm going to tell you, I love you. And I hope you remember this in your teenage years. Um, (laughs) We all know we need love and affirmation, encouragement every day. Every day. But a lot of people think, well, that would be selfish to go to God to have him just tell me good things. Mm -hmm. But I believe every day we need to hear the affirmation of the Father because it actually motivates us. It gives us the courage for the day. I tell people, if you feel discouraged a lot, it's probably because you're not allowing God to encourage you enough. Wow. That's really good too. Mm. Yeah. Cause we run to everywhere else to, to get that yeah. information. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that is really big for Steve and I with the affirmations is it, it transforms the way you think and in Romans 12, 2, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you, you're not going to be transformed through sacrifice. You're going to be transformed by believing something different about yourself than you currently believe. Wow. And that word transformed in Romans 12, 2 is metamorpho, which is the word we get from metamorphosis, mm-hmm. changing a caterpillar into a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I remember when I, I had read an a article that caterpillars don't evolve into butterflies. They actually have two sets of DNA. Okay. And when it goes into the cocoon, the caterpillar DNA begins to die off 
and the butterfly DNA rises up and creates a whole new creation. Wow. And I remember thinking, oh, I thought we were supposed to just become better caterpillars. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't seem right that God was requiring me to fly when I was still a caterpillar. But once I realized, oh, we're a whole new creation, Mm -hmm. the only reason he can require us to raise the dead, heal the sick, and be holy is because we now have it within our DNA to do. Wow. He would never require us to do something that we're not. Huh. So part of this new identity is defining ourselves differently. But we tend, you know, what would happen if a baby decided it's not a walker because it's never walked before? (laughs) You know, it has to build a muscle. We still call it a human being, over, even though it can't do everything an adult human being can do. Yeah, yeah. It has to build a muscle. It even has to learn how to figure out the realm it's been born in. I read somewhere that babies, when their mom leaves the room, they don't have a concept of another room, so they think mom just disappeared for a while. Oh, wow. She doesn't exist right now until she comes back into my sphere. But then the baby begins to realize, oh, there's other rooms in the house. So they learn how to walk in this realm. And we're born of the spirit, called to walk in the spirit realm. And we have to go through the same process. Yeah. We have to learn how this, the unseen realm of the kingdom works and how to actually work in it so that we can walk in the spirit and just, you know, it, it, it's amazing that babies don't get depressed because the first year of life, it's all about failure. They try to lift their head. They can't, they try to grab things. They have no, you know, abilities. Yeah. And I asked God, how come they're not depressed after so much failure in their first year? And he said, it's because they don't use their failure to determine their future. They use their parents to determine their future. Oh, (laughs) They're so convinced they can do what their parents do that failure doesn't move them. Wow. I'm a walker because my mom and dad walk. I'm a talker because my mom and dad talk. And so now I like to say, you know, I haven't raised the dead, but I will because my daddy does. I use my daddy to determine my future, not my past. Oh, wow. Wendy, I don't think I've said wow (laughs) as much (laughs) as I have today. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, my mind is... um, just going about a mile a minute, but I would love for you to talk about your brand new course that you and Steve are offering this fall um, about mind renewal and just, yeah, just started. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, ever since God started us on this mind renewal and, you know, it's not as important to do something different as it is to believe something different. Hmm. That's the key. You know, if you try to do something different before you believe something different, you're probably going to fail. 
Mm. Um, I read a book once, uh, a secular book, and it was saying that the average person never moves out of the same economic or social realm that they were born into. Mm-hmm. And they said, it's not because they're not trying. It's almost within our DNA to better ourselves, mm-hmm. to make more money, have more favor, um, raise in the social ranks, whatever. It's almost in our DNA to improve. Okay. And they said, So even though all these people are trying to improve in these areas, hardly anybody does. Yeah. And these are non-Christian people. They said the reason that happens is because they try to do something different before they believe something different about themselves. Oh. So you're actually opposing yourself when you try to change an outward action without changing the inward value or belief about yourself mm-hmm. and um, so this began to change our life and so it's been a, a dream of Steve's he would like to see um, belief training become more popular than body training yeah you know nobody likes flabby muscles they go to the gym they want to be healthy mm-hmm. but yet hardly anybody is trying to change their inner life, their, how they define themselves, how they define God and life. Mm -hmm. And it takes intentionality to change what you believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to believe that I believed the Bible. I mean, oh yes, the Bible's true because I had a mental agreement with it. Right. Yeah. And one day God said, well, when did you believe I'm going to meet all your needs? And I'm like, oh yeah, I believe that. You know, I even quoted scripture at him when he asked that. It was like, <laughs> you said that you would meet all my needs. Uh-huh. And then he just goes, then why are you worried? And I'm like, well, do my emotions have to believe it too? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, that's how you know you believe it. Well, because if your beliefs have not changed your emotions, you don't fully believe it yet. Yeah. You just have a mental agreement that it's true. So we have a conscious mind and we have a subconscious mind. Yeah. Unfortunately, 95% of our life is driven by our subconscious beliefs, not our conscious beliefs. Yeah. Well. So we've created this course for mind renewal to intentionally change what we believe is possible about who we are and who God is. And even, you know, um, we have on our staff, we have a lady who does belief training. And what she does is she, if you feel stuck in some area of your life and you just can't seem to break out, she'll start talking about what's the deeply held belief here that's been holding you back. So we have teaching like that um, because we don't, the whole idea of deception is we don't know we're deceived. Yeah. And one of the ways you can tell if you're deceived is if you have no hope because God is the God of hope. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, is most people don't have hope because they're only looking to the natural. If you really want hope, you're going to have to look to the supernatural. Yeah. You're going to have to believe that you are supernatural mm-hmm. and you serve a really good God. Yeah. So we're really excited about the course and because um, we've already, you know, from our books that we teach on um, mind renewal and 
declarations. We've just had so many great testimonies of lives totally changed, mm-hmm. which we're not surprised. It totally changed our life. So, yes, it happens when you keep speaking truth over yourself. That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm excited about this course and I am definitely going to sign up for it. And because I, I, man, I can think of a couple of areas that I'm like, I know there's some sort of unbelief or deception that I need to work on. So uh, listeners, if you guys want to check it out, I'm going to put a link in the show notes for um, all of us and um, maybe we could all do it together. Oh, Wendy, you are such a gift. Thank you for uh, just pioneering and just being faithful and doing the hard work so that others can come along too. So, Yeah. Well, the thing is when you get desperate enough, you'll do whatever it takes. (laughs) I need, I knew I needed more. (laughs) That's right. I know. Yep. That longing for more. It's real. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Wendy. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to Holistic Hearts. As always, leave a review and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd like to find out more about my mom and all the things she is writing about, go to www.kristenfieldschadwick.com.